All right, take your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 this morning. I love the way the Lord works out some things every, every once in a while. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about just who is the baby. Just who is this baby. You know, I'm reminded just how awesome it is to come to church every time I step in, especially on Sunday mornings. I just love all the new faces that show up on Sunday morning. I love seeing all of our church family together. I love the music programs on Sunday mornings. I love the choir specials. I love it all. And so it's just good to be at church today. It's awesome to be at church. And I, you know, I guess you saw our construction out here in the back. I guess we have some water line. Uh, We had two water lines break this week. And so you see the cones and maybe a little mud there on the concrete. I'm reminded of when uh, we were in college, we had this preacher come out. And preachers kind of have their own little things they do. Each and every one of them are... A little strange, I guess, but this one man named uh, Pastor Larry Brown, every time he prays, he, would, he talks like this, and he uh, is from the state of Tennessee, and every time he preaches, he says, it's good to be under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> and I guess that I have, in my mind, imagined trying to figure out what he's saying, and I think what he's saying is it's good to be under the preaching of God's Word. I think. I'm not sure. But I think that's what he's saying. So today I hope we get a little glory and I would be careful using the spouts, okay? As I've heard of, already heard of a few explosions this morning. So let's get some glory and be careful with the spouts, alright? In Luke chapter 2 this morning we'll take a look at exactly who this baby that we all see is. And we'll start reading in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. And the Bible says this, make sure you pay attention. I tell this to my youth department, pay attention in the reading of God's Word if you tune me out. Because this is much more important than anything I have to say. So we're going to read about ten verses this morning. Pay attention. In verse 25, the Bible says this, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that He should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in their child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now Simeon is saying this, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's have a word of prayer. Now, Father, please be with me this morning. I thank you so much for the service and the the songs we've already heard. And I pray that you'd please be with the preaching of your word. Pray that you would just be with the hearts of the people in this auditorium, that they would open them. And maybe we would just learn a little bit about exactly who this child is. And it's in your son's precious name we do pray. Amen. Now, one time I was asked the question, who is the most famous person that you've ever met? And I guess I'm a little lame because all my friends had cool stories about how they met Kobe Bryant at Starbucks. 
But I've never met Kobe Bryant. And so as I was searching my mind on who the most, uh, I guess, popular person that I've ever met, the most celebrity-ish person I've ever met, I finally came to this one time when my mom and my dad and I were in Oregon. And my dad had been preaching at Pastor Gerald McElroy's church, and we went up there with him occasionally. And we got to, when we were on our way to leave, we were in, uh, I guess, Portland's airport. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning or something. I don't know why we were flying it that early. Obviously, God's not protecting us that early because He's not even up. But I remember as we sat in that uh, airport at about 2 in the morning, we all sat down and we looked across the way and there was this fella with his cowboy hat over his head and he had a PBR jacket on, which means professional bull riding. And at that time, my parents and I were in... Uh, extreme fans of the PBR. We were watching just about every week it would come on. And apparently this week they had been in Portland, Oregon. And so we're sitting there. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. This dude's asleep. And we're looking at each other and we're like, I think that is Chris Shivers. Now you may not know who Chris Shivers is, but at this time in the PBR, Chris Shivers was known as the Million Dollar Man. The PBR was just now getting started, really, and a million dollars was being awarded to the man that could ride this one bull. And he went the whole year, and he won the entire PBR, and he was able to ride the bull, and he had literally just won a million dollars. And now we sit across from this man, and my mom and my dad and I are like, is that him? Chris Shivers? And uh, I'm like, I know I'm not, I'm not going to go ask him. I don't want to wake the guy up. And I, I remember my mom has no uh, respect of people's personal space. And uh, <laughs> she did not mind at all. This dude is stone cold asleep. And she walks up to him and she tags on his jacket arm. And he, he pulls up his cowboy hat. and, Sir, are you Chris Shivers? <laughs> and it ended up being him. Uh, it was pretty cool. But that's the most famous person that I've ever met in my entire life. And, and the funny thing was, even though we see this guy week in and week out on television, we were still debating in our minds, you know, you're kind of, it's surreal to you. Is that really who that is? You know, and I think in America probably, we've become so familiar with nativity scenes. And even people that would not even claim to be Christians put them in their front yard. And they have no clue who that baby is. So if you will this morning, let's take the opinion, the thoughts and the words of a man that literally looked Christ right in the face and held him in his arms. Let's take a look at exactly who this baby is. First of all, I see this morning in verse 30 that he is our salvation. Now this man, Simeon's a very just and devout man. He's, he's a man that, that is holy. He's a very well-respected man. And in verse 30, he says, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That's all he could say. Even in baby form, Christ emitted salvation. This man looked at Jesus Christ, probably just an infant right now. And he just knew it. He knew that he was the Christ. And he knew what he came for. And it was to offer salvation to every single one of us. And I believe for the first time in Simeon's life, he realized that salvation was not in works. Salvation was not even in faith. Salvation was in a person. 
And salvation was not based upon what you can do. Salvation was based in this little infant child. I see, first of all, that salvation is revealed to all. In verse 31, he says, The salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. You know what's great about our God? He doesn't see race. He doesn't see boundaries. He doesn't see borderlines. I'm so grateful when we have a missionary just like the one we had the other night that that was going to China. I'm so grateful that our God loved those people. And I'm so thankful that our church has a part in sending to those people. Because our God doesn't see boundaries. Our God loves everyone. And that's why we have verses like John 3.16, For whosoever... For God so loved the world. Now the Bible says in first, 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want one single person on this earth. No matter what you are, no matter who you are, no matter uh, how intellectual you may be, no matter what your social standing is, God loved you. And He offered this infant in salvation for you. You know, you say, preacher... I understand that he may not see racial boundaries, and I understand that he may not see all that, but I have done so many wicked things in my entire life. There's no way that God could love me. Romans 5 teaches us that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And for every sin that you've ever committed, no matter how bad, no matter how black, no matter how dark, God loved you and He gave His grace for you. And for every sin that you've committed, grace is there. There is no boundaries with God. And there is nobody that His Son did not die for. Any doctrine, any Christian that ever tells you that there is a boundary is wrong. Because the Bible strictly instructs us that God did die for all. He did. You may sit in this room this morning and you say, I'm so grateful that He died for all, and I've never experienced this gift, but my friend, I promise you this morning, just as the Bible is here on this podium, that it will guarantee salvation to anyone that comes. Not only is it revealed to all, but it's required by all. Look in verse 32, the Bible says this, A light to lighten the the Gentiles and the glory of thy people. In this time, God's chosen nation was Israel. And I'm assuming as Simeon was a just and devout man, and he's going to the temple. He was one of the Israelites. He was a Jewish man, and he comes to the temple. But as he looked that child in the face, he says, You know what? This child has just changed everything. And aren't you glad Jesus did change everything? He looks in the face of this small child, and he says, This baby has changed everything. Now he is a light to the Gentiles that are in darkness. You may not be familiar with what the word Gentiles means. Anything, any person that is not a Jew is a Gentile. Roman, Greek, American, Spanish, any person that is not Jew is Gentile. And you see, we were alienated from God and we were in darkness before this baby came. And John 3.16 tells us about this light that we have now and how light was come into the world. You understand, before this, we were in darkness. But this baby came, and He has revealed all. And just like the sun rises in the morning and reveals everything, Jesus Christ has finally revealed everything to the Gentiles, us. 
You have no excuse this morning if you're under the sound of my voice. Jesus Christ died for you and there is no other way into heaven. The Bible teaches us in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It also says in Acts 4, 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. You say, friend, I'm a good person. I I do a lot of good things. It doesn't matter. I give hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars to charities all around this nation. It does not matter. You see, Jesus Christ had to die for you you and if you earn your way into heaven any other way that was in vain Jesus came to this earth and did what he did and died like he died because there was no other way it doesn't matter how good of person you are and it doesn't matter how wicked of a person you are Christ is the only way to heaven not only is he revealed to all and required by all but He is relief for all. In verse 29, this man, Simeon, he says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. This man had been given the promise that he would be able to see the Messiah, the Christ, before he would die. And so now I'm assuming, I have read several commentaries, and one says he's young and one says he's old. I assume that he's older. And as this man holds this baby, he says, now I can die in peace. You know why this man was able to say that? Because he finally saw that this Christ had no fear in death. You see, for the Christian, there is no fear in death. You know what's scary about death? The unknown of it. We've never been able to ask a person how it was on the other side. But you see, I know what's on the other side. Not because I'm smart, not because I'm intellectual, but because this Bible tells me exactly what's going to happen when I die. The Bible says, uh, for to be be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And as soon as my soul leaves this body, as soon as that flat line hits, I know where I will be. I will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Simeon looks this baby in the face and he says, I can die in peace. You may be in this room today and you may fear death. You may fear the the car accident happening out of nowhere. You may fear a tragedy happening in your family. But you see, with Christ in your arms and salvation in your heart, you don't fear death. You don't fear death. Because this baby changed everything. And I just love how the very first words out of Simeon's mouth, he's been waiting for this moment. He's been promised his entire life that he would be able to see the Christ child. And as he stands there, I'm sure he's been able to ponder over the years what he was going to say. And all he could say is, I have seen thy salvation. And don't you ever forget this, Christian. Christ came to offer salvation. To offer salvation to you and to offer salvation to all. You may be in this room and you have no clue if you would die today you go to heaven. I promise you this. The baby in those front yards, the baby in that little cradle that we see in those inflatable uh, inflatable nativity scenes, you understand? That is the salvation of the world. You cannot leave this room not understanding today that there is no other way to heaven but through Him. And if you don't trust in Him today, 
you will not be able to spend eternity with Him in heaven. But not only did Simeon say He is our salvation, I noticed that Simeon says this, He is our sufficiency. He's simply our sufficiency. In verse 28, Simeon says, Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You know what I love about this? This man literally knows now he can die. He's he's been promised to see the Christ child. and, and, And right now it's almost like he has nothing else to live for. You know, for me, if I was holding this baby in my arms, I'd say, this is awesome. Now, can I get a few more years? Right? I mean, I'm not scared of death, but I don't necessarily want to be on the next train out, right? But as Simeon looks his child in the face, he realized so much more than we ever have understood about Christ. He says, this is our sufficiency in this world. This baby that I hold, there's nothing else to live for. This baby is it. Matthew Henry said, what a poor thing doth this world look to one that hath Christ in his arms and salvation in his eye. You see, this world's not attractive to a Christian that is focusing on Christ. The reason Simeon was able to be comfortable with death is because he understood this baby offered sufficiency. He was completely sufficient in every, in every way. And now, as, as, as I believe Simeon felt glory like he had never felt in his life, he's literally looking God in the face... As he holds this baby in his arms, he says, I have nothing else to live for. This is as good as it gets right here. Looking my Savior in the face. This is as good as it gets. You know why Christians struggle in the world? You know why we we get calls about pastors falling out of the ministry? You know why we have these calls? It's because they weren't holding on to Christ. It's the only reason. Because He's completely sufficient for you. You say, well, alcohol is is a really tough... No, no, Christ can replace it. Christ can take its place and He can offer you something so much greater. Christ is sufficient in every way. Not only is He sufficient in this world, I got these backwards, He's sufficient in our worship. They're probably a little confused up there because I did do them out of order. I am sorry about that. But not only is Christ sufficient in this world, but He's sufficient in our worship. You know why I, I have been to churches and they just simply... I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say that they're still alive. I, I'm so thankful that this is not one of those churches. But I have been to churches and you just... I mean, the only thing moving in there is the cockroaches. You know, and they, they don't pay the exterminator because they know it. And... and And it's just one of the toughest things being able to go and see a church that you know has potential. You know, you just wish it were doing better than it is. It's just dying. But you know, I I can only attribute that to one thing. Is that Christ was not being lifted up enough. You know what the Bible says? It says, if Christ be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If you, if you lift Christ up in this pulpit, as every preacher's job is, people will come. In Isaiah 6, chapter, one, uh, chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the, in the uh, year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting high upon His throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And, 
You know the passage as Isaiah sees the Lord lifted up, high and lifted up, and he sees angels and seraphims uh, hovering over the the throne of God, and, and he sees them covering their face with their wings and covering their feet with their wings and just crying, Holy, holy, holy! And Isaiah's reaction to this is he falls down upon his face and he says, Woe is me, God, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And he, he for, for the first time, recognized how great and wonderful our God is. You know what the preacher's job is? To lift high the Lord Jesus Christ. I stand before you this morning not trying to impress you with some funny story I tell. Not trying to get you to laugh at me. Not even trying to get you to like me. You know what I stand in front of you doing this morning? Trying to get you to appreciate Jesus Christ just a little more. Lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can say, I love Him that much more. He's so sufficient in our worship. You say, Brother Andrew, I come to church and I just don't get that bubbly feeling. You come to church and you focus a little bit before the service on what Christ did for you. You picture the cross and just how cruel it was. And you begin to realize how backslidden we were and how much He loved us and how great He's been to us. That's worship. You see, there's a lot of churches out there that claim to have worship services on Sunday morning that are nothing more than a rock concert with Jesus thrown in. But the music is great. I loved hearing Brother Brian's song this morning. I loved hearing the song the choir sang, If we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, And every stalk on earth a quill. And every man a scribe by trade. If we would think the ocean fill, we could not contain the whole. I love that song. It speaks to me with the beautiful words. But you understand this morning, we don't need it. It's not necessary. We gather around the Word of God. And we begin to preach about the love of our God. That's worship. You say, this church doesn't really fit my heart's desire on on what I want to happen. You know what? If a church is preaching the Word of God, how could it not? If a church is preaching about the love of Jesus Christ, how could you not be a fan of it? We gathered this morning, and I I, I am so careful to use the word worship because it is so misused today. It's so misused. But this is a worship service. Because we are gathered around the Word of God to simply say, I love the Lord this morning. And I hope by the end of this day and the end of this sermon, you'll be able to say, and maybe even fall on your face and just say, thank you, God. That's worship. Don't be confused with all these definitions and all these different terms about worship this and worship hour and worship coffee house. Don't worry about all that. If worship does not involve the lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's simply not worship at all. See, Christ is sufficient. And He's sufficient outside of this church in the world. He's so much better than that, but He's sufficient inside this church too. And the day we replace anything to try getting a crowd is just the day we have lost everything. 
Because Christ is what ought to draw, not the, not the wall color, not the carpet color. Christ is what brings people to the gospel. Not only is Christ our salvation, this baby is our salvation, He's also our sufficiency. But look finally, if you will, and I must hurry, He is our sorrow. I see that there's two things we sorrow in. First of all, I see that we sorrow in His deity. Deity simply means His Godness. Deity means how much God He was. He was all God. And you say, now that's a little odd that we would sorrow in His deity. Yeah, it is. But you see, this baby in the manger was not a normal baby. This baby in the manger was literally God in the flesh. There's many scoffers out there that are trying to attack the virgin birth and just uh, the simple deity of Christ. But I promise you this. He was virgin born as Luke teaches us. And He was Holy Spirit conceived as Luke teaches us. He was every bit of God with no taint of man upon Him. He was God veiled in the flesh of man. And I love how in some of the other Gospels, the Bible says that Mary, His mother, and Joseph never says His father. Because Joseph was not His father. You see, God was His father. Mary was His mother and God was His father. And the sin nature of man did not pass through the lineage of Joseph that day. He was all God laying in that manger. But you know what's sad to me? You know the reason we sorrow about this? It's because God came to the creation and we treated Him poorly. The other day I was able to preach in Odessa, Texas. My wife and I, about three, four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago now, we were able to go up there and the preacher was gone on a missions trip and they needed somebody to fill their pulpit. In fact, Brother Brian Cohn, my booking agent, scheduled it for me. <laughs> Brother Brian was out of town. He wanted the A choice. Uh, Brother Brian couldn't make it, so they called in the C choice, which was me. And I was able to preach, and it was a blessing to go. And, and Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning, they forgot the special completely. They just went straight from the handshaking time to the preaching time. Now, that was awkward. And I love going to different churches because they all do kooky things. But, I mean, they're like, okay, now it's time for our handshaking time. And, and this was Sunday morning. Now it's time for our handshaking time. So I turn around just like we do at our church. Hi, how you doing, Chelsea? How you doing, Wesley? Okay, all right. But they started singing this happy greet song. Like, hi, everybody, we're glad you're here. Like that. And I was like... You know, I, <laughs> I had no clue what they were singing. And my wife was like, this is weird. And, uh, and it was so cool getting to go to this church. And so we went to lunch that afternoon. And that night I preached again. And that night they did not forget the special. And that night, I do not know the lady's name. But she got up and uh, the very first words she said were, this song is sung by the Hoppers. Was it the Hoppers? It's a really good song. Now listen to the words. They're biblical. 
The song's a little rocky, but they're biblical. And so, and I've heard the song. It might be on my iPod. I'm not sure. It's not one of my favorites. It's, it, it's not necessarily rocky, but there's like some Congo drums. <laughs> and so she got to, uh, she got to singing, and she was. It was a little weird. Uh, and you know what? But I, I wrote the pastor. You, you'll find out. I wrote the pastor, and I said. Sir, it was not my job that day to criticize or critique your church. I was just there to preach. And I was grateful for the opportunity. Amen. And if he ever invites me back, I'll go. But as this lady got up there to sing, and then between the chorus and the next verse, she said, See, aren't these words biblical? I tried looking them up. I couldn't find it. But they're in there. <laughs> and she was talking about how Jerusalem was on the wall behind her. And I think the song was talking about the new Jerusalem anyway. And she was talking about, imagine Jerusalem behind me. So it was a little weird, but uh, we ended up... Now, I didn't say anything. I just got up and preached, didn't, you know, did what I was asked, and we left. And I, I had a great time. My wife and I both did. And uh, now it's, we do laugh about it a little bit. But that pastor wrote me. He said, thank you, Brother Andrew, for coming and speaking for me. Now, I was informed by my wife that we had a song Sunday night that I did not approve of. He said, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. This is no, in no way a reflection of the direction our church is heading. I did not approve of that song, and I'm very sorry that you had to hear that. And I felt bad for the guy. I really did, because I think it was a spur-of-the-moment thing, and they, they stuck this lady in there, and she was supposed to sing something she was approved. And this song is actually a Southern Gospel song, but it just is a little uh, weird, but... He felt bad because he had a visitor in his presence and he didn't really get a great experience, right? And don't we do the exact same thing when we have company into our home? We want everything to be perfect and even we'll have plans and when those plans don't happen, we say, I'm so sorry that this didn't work out, but next time you come in, we'll take care of it. See, Christ visited this earth and he was not shown a happy welcome. God visited us and we crucified Him. We beat Him. We mocked Him. We ran Him out of synagogues, the only place He should be. And Christ came to this earth as God and man persecuted Him. It's sad that we did that. We sorrow in His deity. But look with me, if you will, finally. We sorrow in His death. In verse 35, Simeon is speaking to Mary here. And he says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know what he's referring to here? Many believe that Simeon had somewhat of a gift of prophecy. And as this man looks in Mary's face, he says, Now this is a great day, and this is so triumphant that I'm holding the Messiah. But this will not end well for you, Mary. You will literally stand at the foot of the cross. And you will watch this child die. You will watch him be stabbed with a spear just to make sure he's dead. And you will have to watch all this from just a few feet away. And I read how Mary followed Christ up the hill 
And she does, later on in the gospel, have to stand right at the bottom and watch Jesus Christ be crucified for us. It's so sad to me that a mother had to watch that. Sometimes here on church, we, we have to pray for some things. You know, people send in prayer requests. Sometimes they're very painful to pray for. Sometimes we sorrow in the prayer requests that are sent in. And I would say none strikes me much more than knowing, hearing something like, the baby was born, but it's contracted pneumonia. And the doctors are expecting with just a few days it'll die. That to me is one of the saddest prayer requests because they were able to see that baby. They were able to look it in its face and grow attached to it. And then it's just snatched away from them. You see, this baby as he laid in the manger was born to die. He contracted a disease that was much greater than any other that this world has ever known. Love. He laid in that manger, and it might as well have been three days later, but it was 33 and a half years later. And He took the brunt of our sin and died on a cross. It's so sad to me. But the saddest day in history happens to be the greatest day in history as well. And we can sit here all day and cry about the cross and we can uh, sorrow in it. But I promise, friend, there is so much more joy in the cross than there is sorrow. You see, because you don't have to die and go to hell. We all are deserving. We are all guilty. But you see that baby in the manger. He was all God and he felt himself in, in the form of flesh so that he could die on the cross for our sin. It was for you he died. You sit in this auditorium today and you say, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I promise you, the baby in the nativity scene was for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This baby was not just another figurine on our table. This baby was Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. And He died for you. And He died for me.